Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Janet Van Wick. She is a brand and business coach with a focus on your online strategy and presence. Janet, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. How are you? I'm doing well, Brad. Thank you for asking. Excellent. I'm so happy to have you here today, and I'm looking forward to jumping in and learning more about what you do and sharing your story and your journey here with the Empowerography community. So thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. I'm excited to be here, Brad. So Janet, as mentioned, you're a brand and business coach. You focus on online strategy and presence. You also are a life coach, master life coach. You have the certification as a master life coach. How long have you been a coach? It's an interesting question because I essentially have been a personal version of a coach most of my adult life, which is why I gravitated towards it. I always was problem solving. People were always coming to me for my opinion and approach on how I would handle a certain thing. So being a problem solver led me to wondering what could I potentially do with this? And as I was looking at transitioning out of my daytime career Mm -hmm. into what I was going to do for the rest of my life. It hit me, and this was a couple of years ago, it hit me that people were always asking, well, what qualifies you to do this? And by just that simple question, it was really clear to me that I had to get something that I could answer that with. So I did go and get my Master Life Coach certification. And at the same time, I got my certification to do vision board presentations and bring people through that. And I kind of mixed it together. And that was the beginning of my coaching, my professional coaching career. Okay. I did. I had no idea there was a certification for vision board coaching and help. I had no idea. That's interesting. There are businesses for everything, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody can create a certification process and program. Yes. Very true. Very true. So do you, you had mentioned that this was a couple of years ago and I know we briefly spoke about it before we jumped on to the recording and we're talking about certification and how a lot of coaches out there now don't necessarily have a certification and that it's not really necessary because some of us are gifted with the skills to help others without that certification. So what are your thoughts on that whole process, the certification process and how many people out there are coaches now? Because I mean, you think about that, there are so many self-proclaimed coaches. I agree. And I think it's amazing. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful because coaching has come out of the closet from being life coaching and dealing with trauma and getting you past all of these terrible parts of your life into just embracing what your strengths are and realizing that as long as you are farther ahead in the journey, there is something that you can show somebody. There is a way for you to help them. There is guidance that you can give them. As long as you stay within your expertise, whether it is basic or advanced, then you can easily be coaching or showing somebody else, giving them direction and some guidance in specific areas. And it doesn't have to be life. It could be absolutely anything now. I've seen so many amazing specialties for coaching that it blows my mind. (laughs) So I think it's terrific. Why do you think personally, there has been such a a surge of people getting into the coaching industry because they can <laughs> and simple, plain and simple <laughs> well, but it's it's the reality and it's wonderful now that with the online presence with covid this is a wonderful thing about covid yes with us moving online mm-hmm. a lot of people have begun to hear enough people telling them that everybody has something 
that they yeah. can bring. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how small it is or what area it is in, you can help somebody. Now you can do coaching for free through yeah. your social media posts yeah. and educate people that way. Or you can hook up either through self-education or with another coach or an online program and create the framework of your own coaching program and begin to offer it out that way. And I think with the exposure to all of this information over the last two years, it has, and you'll love this, it has empowered so many people to believe in themselves and move into that space. For sure. I mean, for as shitty as a situation COVID was and all the loss financially, personally, there has been so much good that has come out of this worldwide situation. And I think we need to recognize that more and realize that there is a silver lining in all situations. There's a silver lining in there somewhere. You just have to look for it and find it. Absolutely. And you know that that's the way I approach my life. Yes. Everything. (laughs) I, right at the beginning of COVID, I was, I was, up there, up front, telling everybody, this has been so good. This is so good for your business. Just stop and consider all of these factors. And I'd walk them through it. And I almost felt it was my responsibility being a positive person to show people to flood as, as many arenas as I could with all of the positive parts of this new reality, because they were hearing so much of the negative. Yes. Yeah. The the positivity was sprinkled in there, but you're right. It was predominantly negative. So if we can sprinkle as much positivity in there as possible, I mean, look at all the good that has happened in this last 18 months in the world. It's absolutely phenomenal. It absolutely is. So Janet, what inspired you to become a branding and business strategist slash coach? (laughs) That was an adjustment along the way. (laughs) Well, I guess it all comes together. I spent a lot of my life not feeling that what I had to offer was enough and modeling myself after everybody else or being the person that I thought you needed me to be or choosing a mentor and trying to be that person and be successful just like them. It was through my own journey, my own upgrading my mindset and discovery process that I realized that I was more than enough. And once I was able to claim that and discover what things made me unique that people seemed to be attracted to, it was that moment or that time that I realized, wow, I spent so much effort becoming somebody else And I really, truly am enough. And I have to learn how to bring that online and celebrate it. And when I figured that out, I began to see so many other people doing the exact same thing and thinking that branding was just the tail end visual representation, their logo, their colors, their font, and not really understanding that the words that they say and the way they say them, the tone of voice that they use, the things that they choose to focus on, in addition to their problem solution offer, all made up their brand. And that kind of laid the foundation for what I developed in becoming a brand program so that people could adjust what they were doing, what they were hearing everybody saying in business, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do, and this is what you have to do, and put their special sauce on it. And not get lost in the, you must do this in order to succeed and switch it to how does that work for you? Doesn't work for you. Okay. Let's switch it up and get something that does. There's no hard and fast rule for the way you approach your branding and your business because it has to be you and nobody is the same as you. There you go. That's the key right there. That, that mindset piece of that puzzle is the biggest piece and the most important and integral part of that puzzle is the mindset piece and that competition mindset. And as you said, no one else is you. And that is one of the key elements as well is realizing that and getting into that mindset, getting that into your head that no one else is you, no matter how many, because we're speaking about coaches, no matter how many coaches are out there, no one else coaches like you. And that's it. That's what sets you apart is you. And as you have told me before, you are your brand. Absolutely. So it's not, as you say, it's not just the colors and the fonts and the logo. You are the biggest piece of that. You being your brand. It's really important for people to understand that when you are bringing your brand, 
online, the key thing is what your audience will begin to depend on you bringing. And that is a really important part of your brand. I see so many posts saying, I got out there, I did this, this and that, and nobody is liking it. Nobody's following. So I switched up and I did this and I've tried that and I've tried this. And essentially what it comes down to is why are you there? What are you hoping to achieve as the outcome? And how are you going to bring it to all of these amazing people who are coming to see you? It's like your best friend. They depend on you being a certain type of friend. Yes. When they say something, you're going to respond in a certain way. You're going to give them the attaboy. You're going to laugh, whatever it is you do. Your online friends are the same. They come and see you because they like the person that you are married to the information that you're bringing. Yeah. I love that. That's a great analogy for sure. Janet, what type of work were you doing before you made the jump into entrepreneurship and what prompted the journey into entrepreneurship for you? Well, I've always been in entrepreneurship in some way, shape or form, but I always had a day job and that was basically government based, whether it was federal or provincial or local. I was a government girl and regardless what department I ended up being in, I always was used for organizing, developing manuals and training programs in addition to whatever else I was doing. So I have a strong background in dissecting systems and people and getting them down to basic steps and presenting them in a way that people can digest them and learn from them. That gave me kind of a a key into all of the small businesses that I did. And they were all basically service. So every service that you do has to be presented in a specific way, whether for me, it was makeup and because I'm an esthetician, makeup artist, I did permanent makeup. I've done everything. I've opened (laughs) up a cleaning company. I sold barter memberships to businesses, roadside assistance. uh, (laughs) Oh my goodness. My husband was in life safety systems and fire alarms. And we had the government contract for the prisons and the courthouses. It's just, it's been all over the place. So I've always had my toe in it. Yeah. Painting, crafting, doing everything I possibly could. But what really hit me was when I turned 60 and we were getting our university students in at work and they all knew passionately what they wanted to be when they grew up. And at 60, I was still saying, how could that be? How could they know this? Because I have no clue who I want to be when I grow up and I'm 60. So I had better figure this out. How could they possibly know? And I don't, yeah. which started my journey into this whole coaching and introspection for myself and my discovering that I am what is termed as a multi-passionate person, which opened up a whole new realm for me that what was always looked at as being failure was actually my strength. All of these courses that I started and didn't finish, all of these interests that I would 150% throw myself into until I learned them and then they'd move on to something else. That's just a part of my multi-passionate personality. And it gave me strength. It gave me so many things that I'm now good at. And it helps to keep my business moving forward because now I've learned how to design my business around it, which is why I focus on these individual personality types. Love it. Bill of all trades. I think it's amazing. You're a very well-rounded person. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. At the other end of it, now I am. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. You are, and that's it. You figured out what you want to do when you grow up. (laughs) Yeah. I was able to figure it out so that I'm able to actually pull it all together. Yeah. And use it to my benefit and to other people's benefit, which is really cool. Exactly. So who is your ideal coaching client? Not what kind of business, but what kind of person do you love working with? I like to work with somebody who was at the same place that I was when I turned 60. They had discovered who they were, or they were opening up to it. They were really excited about the future and passionate about what was coming and wanted to work hard toward it. I'm fast moving. I'm high energy. I give you good stuff to take action on. And I want to work with people who they're ready and want to take that action and make that change now because I can, I can fast pace you through it Mm -hmm. instead of taking the 20 years it took me. (laughs) There you go. And that's the key, right? Is giving back in that way that you're helping people so they don't have to go through what you went through. That's right. Because it did take my multi-passionate personality and my innovative nature to figure it out. And not everybody has that. Yes. So their journey may potentially be 
longer, or they may never get there yeah. because they have a different set of amazing strengths and skills. Absolutely. Can you walk us through your onboarding process for clients when you decide to work with them? So people come to me from different ways, but usually they find me on social media through TikTok or because I've potentially been commenting in somebody's group mm-hmm. on a question that they've had and it sparks either conversations in Messenger or they ask to get on a Zoom call to find out a little bit more about what I was commenting on. I don't generally bring people into a sales call. I offer these discovery calls, I guess you could call them, where I just, what are you looking for? How can I help you? How can I love on you? How can I pay it forward? Yeah, Because I do a lot of that because a lot of it was given to me. So as I'm paying forward, they begin to realize the potential and the possibilities that lay ahead of them. That's when we begin to see, is there a match here? Is something that I have in my programs going to be the solution that you need? And if that matches up, then I send them an information packet on how what the process is to begin to be coached by me. And I send another package if that works for them with an agreement, a contract, an explanation of what the process is going to be, how long it takes. And then we just lock down our dates, get our energy up, and we pound the pavement. Get down to work. Yeah. (laughs) In your business, do you work with only women? And if so, why have you decided to focus solely on women? You know, that's an interesting question because I initially started talking just with women because of the online protect myself aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when you are on online, you get a lot of creepy men trying (laughs) to hook up. So I did restrict myself to women, but I don't necessarily, I'm not upfront saying, no, I won't work with men, but just the general things that I address, the multi-passionate. There are men who are multi-passionate, but they don't necessarily self-identify that way. And the wanting to create a brand and online, guys are confident. They show up. And they say, here I am. This is what I have. Let's sit down and have a beer. You know, that's, <laughs> that, that is who they are. Women are not the same. Women are, who should I be? How am I going to get there? What should I wear? You know, what am I going to look mm-hmm. like? Are they going to think I'm capable? They go through this whole process. And so generally speaking, they, what I offer resonates more with them. If a man were to come to me and say, listen, I love what you're talking about, having a brand identity and having your problem solution offer and your content has to be based on both of those. I don't know how to bring it together. I have a lot of passions. I'm good at everything. How do I bring it to be a brand personality so that I get my thought leadership voice? If he's there and he's ready to work, I would be more than happy to coach. I just have not had a man approach me as yet. It's only been women. It's organically happened that way just because of your, your branding and your messaging and all of that. Now, that could very well be the words and the language that I'm using, which I'm becoming more aware of because of being gender sensitive, gender neutral, mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to be more diverse in my language. Right. But 65 years of developing my language, it takes a little bit of time <laughs> to adjust and learn. For and sure. I'm so open to learning. So I will coach anybody who is in that place yeah. willing to do a lot of work or willing to do the work that I give them and get down and realize the potential that they have. That's the important part right there is that they are willing to do the work because I've heard stories of people who sign up for whatever kind of service, um, coaching, whatever it may be, and they're not, they get the work that they need to do and they're not willing to do it. Uh, Yes, I'm familiar with that, which is why I'm changing my coaching model. Ah, okay. Because it's easy when you're in a weekly long-term program to kind of fall back Right. On and not get the work done, not have the same energy. But if it's in a short period of time and it's dynamic, you have to show up and you have to show up in a dynamic manner to get it done. So I'm hoping that the change, the shift in the way that I'm going to be bringing my programs forward is going to weed out the people who are willing to pay, but not willing to play. Yeah, I love that. Willing to pay. (laughs) I love it. Awesome. Now, you've said that you're particularly passionate about helping multi-focused entrepreneurs and especially those who are 50 plus. Why is this so personally important to you to focus on women 50 plus? 
it's a generation thing, I guess. Um, okay. Being okay, this is something that I just learned. I am in the boomer capsule. But mm-hmm. I never related to all of the things they say boomers are supposed to be experiencing and feeling. I only recently discovered that boomers are actually split into two. You've got your early boomers and your late boomers. And the late boomers are called Gen Jonesers or Generation Jones. Okay. And they are closer to Gen X than they are boomer because of when we were born. Boomers were created because they were in the baby boom right after World War II. Right. You are on the tail end of the boomers. Those were your grandparents, not your parents. Yeah. Everything is different. We're labeled with the Generation Jones because when the economy crashed and we were always trying to keep up with the Joneses just before us, 10 years before us, the economy boomed. That's when everybody was able to get all of these amazing things and their salaries went up and everything. And then it crashed with Watergate. It crashed with the oil crisis. It crashed. That was my generation. So being a Gen Joneser (laughs) in that generation and with the Gen X, we were still caught up in the women weren't given enough or as much opportunity. It was the beginning of that realization. And it was also the beginning of if you were like me and I'm a high school dropout my I didn't graduate I didn't get my diploma I was a child from moving around that went from high school to high school different system so I didn't get my diploma it was in the time where we measured your worth and your intelligence by where you're a graduate and do you have a secondary school education a diploma, a degree. So I was always under that feeling less than not being able to get through the screening for jobs or for opportunities because they were always measured by what degree or diploma do you have? Piece of paper. Piece of paper. And couple that with being multi-passionate means that I have so many different interests and I learned in a different way. The way you taught me the, the memorizing, I grew up in the memorizing generation is not something I can do. I'm an audio learner and a visual learner. I do not memorize. So all of these things put together kind of washed me, made me feel that I was not enough and that I will just step back and be second to whoever was in the spotlight. I will become the person you need me to be. And there are so many women in that generation, in the Jen Jones, Gen X, that are doing the same thing, that have such amazing intelligence and knowledge and wisdom and skills, but they don't know it because we weren't raised to feel that we had it, which is why we're late bloomers or late boomers. I don't know. (laughs) And it's why I want to help them. I can see their potential because of my personality strengths, because I'm innovative. I can talk with somebody, see where their interests are and show them what their potential is and give them a hundred different possibilities for that different set of skills. And it's when that happens that the light turns on for them and they get excited and they begin their journey. So that's kind of why I focus on them because I was them and I was able to figure it out for myself. I had a couple of key people who said very innocent things to me that made a world of difference. And because of that, I try and be that for the next person. You resonate more with that demographic. I love it. And I love that you brought up the fact that with relation to school, and this memorizing way of learning, it reminded me of, um, I interviewed a woman a little while back for the podcast and she lives, I can't remember where, somewhere in the States anyways. And she was talking about her, her two children and how they were in the school system and they came to the, they went to their parents, her and her husband and said that they wanted to be homeschooled. And the youngest one had said, I don't like this way of learning. I think she was, I think the girl was about seven and she said, I don't, this is not how I want to learn by memorizing. I don't want to sit there in one spot and just memorize things. And that's, that's not a way to learn. And I just thought the the actual foresight, this child at seven years old to realize the system is so broken. But on the other side, and I'm going to flip that to the positive at seven, she has been exposed to enough different styles of learning that she was able to identify this works for me. That doesn't. Back then, we didn't have that. And I'm sure that you're aware of that. You got into school. How that teacher taught was the way you had to learn. That's right. Yeah, you you had, there are no options. Right. And if you didn't learn that way, you were labeled as slow and shipped off to the special class. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. That just, that really struck a chord when you said that. It just brought me back to that interview where, but now the the children were in uh, doing the homeschooling, but now I believe she said they went back into schooling again. I think she said they went back into the, 
regular school system, but they got homeschooled for a few years and they were loving it. They loved being at home and learning different things and learning different ways and not this so regimented style of learning right. that is the school system. It, it is very broken, it's, the school system. It's changing. Yeah. It is changing slowly. Yeah. Now, well, because the teachers in the school system all have different personalities and strengths and as they learn, they teach. Exactly. It's the same well, with coaching. Yeah. That's why you have to, it's, you have to, just like I have to interview and test out who I'm going to coach, mm-hmm. you have to interview and test out who you're going to have coach you because yes. everybody does it in a different way. That's right. For sure. So Janet, what lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? It's funny. I was having a conversation yesterday with a lady, another multi-passionate, and I was (laughs) explaining to her that we're very unique being multi-passionates because where other people have different sources for their dopamine hits, our dopamine hit actually is our being multi-passionate because we are switching from one thing to another that excites us. So we're getting a constant feed of this dopamine. You will see as you're speaking with somebody who is multi-passionate, they are very high energy and they're very excited every time they talk to you about what they're talking about. So the fact that I'm able to take four or five of the things that really light me up and include them into my brand keeps me lit up every day about everything. And that's why I focus on creating your brand identity, especially if you're multi-passionate. Most business models and people that you hear will tell you, you have to niche down. You have to decide on one thing. You can't talk about other things. You're going to confuse your audience, which is what I was told constantly. Are you the makeup lady or are you the oil lady or are you the business lady? Yeah. You know. And the reality is that your brand identity is made up of more than just your problem solution offer. And people who are multi-passionate get to bring some of their other passions in to create a very interesting brand story and experience to their audience. So just the fact that I have discovered how to use what was always given to me as my weakness and my failure, to use that as a strength, it lights me up because I get to celebrate everything that I love. Your uniqueness. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think and that's I get amazing. To, and I get to show other people they're not a failure either. Yeah, exactly. They were meant to experience a lot of things, not finish and master them. Yeah, I love that. I think that's brilliant. Now, you created something you call the brand signature system. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that works? It's actually called Becoming a Brand. Okay. And it's to help people to become a brand or to realize that they are a brand and to discover all of the elements that they are and how to bring them. So I have it in six different focus areas. The first one being creating the foundation. And a lot of people come to me with that piece pretty much in place. Okay. So it's not the focus that a lot of people go on because so many business coaches already teach how to develop your story, define your dream, your purpose, the impact you want to have. I work with people who haven't done that yet or want to know how to do it a little more specifically for them. Some people want to do it for themselves. Other people want to work with you to get it done. So I have it there for those people. The one that is most popular is what I call your brand expression. And that's where you take a look at all of your different interests. Are they, because you've got three different areas of passion that need to be separated. So this adage that find out what you're passionate about, make it your business is very dangerous because one aspect of your passion is specifically designed to be your respite, to bring your cortisol level down, to give you an escape from all of the parts of your business that you need a break from. So we identified the three different levels of passion, put your interests in to those different levels, create your full, we're talking about people who are multi-passionate have more than one. So for myself, it is a life over 50 is one of my passions, talking about it, longevity and how to get there. I have a major passion with makeup and style and how you show up in the world physically. I have another strong passion in my multi-passionate people and my Jen Jonesers and the unique things that happen to them, as well as fitness. It used to be a big focus for me, and it's different now that I'm looking at the next half of my life. So those, they don't relate to business at all, but because I've identified them, I'm able to bring them into my brand to create my brand expression 
my personality that people are drawn to so that I can couple it up and deliver also my problem solution offer part of my brand. So brand expression is developing the you in the brand. And it's so important. The next one is your brand content. And that is developing the framework so that you're not waking up every day going, oh, what am I going to post about today? What am I focusing on today? It is taking you from your problem solution offer and breaking it down into your pillar content and through the sales funnel so that you can take one piece of content for the week and break it out into many different types of content to post in different places with little effort and little time. So that is your brand content pillar that we develop there. The next one is your brand strategy. And that is how are you going to show up? Where is your main platform? And I'm not talking social media, because (laughs) you should always have a platform off of social media, because you don't own that space. So where is that going to be? And how is it going to show up for you? It's the podcast. Yes. And then what are your secondary content channels? What is your external outreach? How are you going to reach your potential partners in business? Because you should always have partners like I have you. You are a business outreach partner that I have connected with. And we're now going through this experience. So what is your external outreach? Then social media comes in. How are you going to use all these things? How are you going to bring it to social media to amplify or to draw people into your pinnacle, the place where you absolutely live? And then choosing the platforms which fit you best, suit you best, that you naturally will excel on. And the final, final one is your brand image. And that is developing your bio and your story inventory, because you should have more than one story to draw on. If you are asked to get up and speak for five minutes, it shouldn't always be the same story because that story isn't necessarily going to be relatable to different audiences. So we develop your story inventory. We take a look at some evergreen principles for being on social media to abide by so that you never fall into traps or habits and different things that will not serve you best in your business. And then taking a look at your existing social media presence, making sure that you have consistency in your bios, in your presence, your and how you're showing up on the different platforms that you're using, and then developing your media or your promotions kit. So there are six different areas. That was five. The sixth one is the one that was given birth through my vision boards. And that is what I call time mapping. And that is realizing that you can't fit everything into your day. And when you try and fit everything into your day, your week, your month, your year, you're going to fall flat on your face. Something isn't going to be achieved. And for me, it came to light when I got to the end of the year and I took a look at the things that I was hoping to accomplish. And I realized that I hadn't gotten anywhere near them. So I had to take a look at why did that happen? And it was basically due to not identifying things that I had no control over in my schedule that absolutely had to happen. I They, they were so everyday to me that I forgot to factor in how much time they consumed. And it developed a time blocking strategy for me. And so when you take your personal life and you map it all out, the things that you have to do in your personal life, you begin to see with a more realistic eye, the amount of time that you have available for your business. It gives you permission to say no to people and it gives you permission to say yes to yourself. Then we take a look at what you want to achieve in your business, put them on a scale of absolutely important, non-negotiable down through to, I really would like to get it done, but it's not that important. And then we create blocks of time based on when you would like to see these things happen. And it kind of keeps you on schedule, especially for a multi-passionate personality, because we can go off on a tangent with a new interest and completely lose track. (laughs) (laughs) of what we were planning to do. I have developed in this, this whole system, this whole becoming a brand system works amazingly for everybody. But in everything that I do now, I have a twist for my multi-passionate people in that if you are multi-passionate, this is the secret sauce for that. This is how we have to do it. Yeah. So I build that into all of the modules, but especially into the time mapping one. And I'll give you a little example of this. Sure. This week, I knew what I was going to do this week, but I saw something that sparked an interest in me. And <laughs> I know that I'm going to be I'm going to be launching a podcast in the new year. Oh, awesome. And Congratulations. Thanks. I got an idea for the cover photo for my each of my podcasts. 
Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And I went into Canva and I created my basic brand or look that I wanted based on my colors and my fonts and everything and the feel that I wanted to have. And I thought, you know, I've already wasted 45 minutes on this. <laughs> Every month, is this going to be me wasting 45 minutes? Or why don't we just get it done now? So I spent another 45 minutes yeah. and I was able to pound out 52 of them. Wow. So in that short period of time, I've met that passion. I've met that in that moment. That is what I wanted to do. It was taking me off track. Okay, let's make that useful. Let's yes. make it work for us so that in the future, we are not going to be pulled off course with it. And yeah. it's going to be a resource that we have available. I can just pop it. I can put in the name of the episode and it's there and it's available and it keeps me on brand for the full year instead of going, Oh, I like that person did this. It's really cool. I think I'll try it. It keeps me on brand. So I have strategies that I help people implement to keep them on brand Focused. with their multi-passionate personality. I love it. <laughs> it can really take you off course and waste a lot of time. Oh, for sure. If you for haven't sure. figured out how to do it. And I can tell you, most of us multi-passionate people haven't figured out how to control that side of us. Yeah. It's like shiny or thing, shiny thing, and- shiny thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Just as long as you get back to what you need to do and get back to focus, it's going to happen. Absolutely. What drives or motivates and inspires you to keep going, to keep pushing and excelling at all that you do, Janet? Well, because I feel like I was just born at the age of 60. I love that. Well, okay. Now, here's an interesting thing. Midlife crisis. That Mm -hmm. term was coined by a man for men. Men go through that stage of life very differently. They begin to look back. They take inventory. They identify things that they really enjoyed or wanted to enjoy more. And they go to that time and they explore it. They get the car, they do the bike, they all of this, right? Where because women have spent that period of time molding themselves around a family and serving when they hit midlife, it's not a crisis, it's a change. They begin to be able to put themselves first and be born into their life that they were meant to live for themselves. So this is my life that I now am starting to live. There you go. Beautiful. So I want to speak a little bit on women and entrepreneurship and what your thoughts are around that. I mean, I come from a corporate background and I've seen even now still the mindset and behavior of the old boys club mentality, which I'm sure you can attest to having worked in many different fields throughout your career. This old boys club, when it comes to equal pay for women and women in C-suite level positions in these corporations and that whole mindset of the 1940s, I mean, I think that we are now starting to see a change. And I think that, as we mentioned earlier, COVID has played a big part in that. But in the shift in mindset with a lot more women getting into entrepreneurship. So what are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses? I think that there is no better time than now to be getting into your own business, to becoming an entrepreneur, whether you're a man or a woman, but yes, specifically as a woman, because the playing field has been leveled, in my opinion, because now it's not like I was saying, life coach, you need a diploma, you need a certification. I have had women who have had doctorates in psychology come to me for coaching because what they work in is not the area that they were in need of. And we're beginning to open up and realize that everybody has something to give and it's of equal value. When you're coaching, when you're online, when you are in a service-based business in our 2021-2022 model, there is no pay disparity. You identify and you define what your worth is and you charge it. Very different from the corporate world. I'm not there any longer. I do, uh, what I have to say about that is when I was in the corporate world in government, it all depended on where in the government you were. Government can be very female dominated and you'd look around and there's hardly a man in sight or it could be very strong in, I'm going to say male-based defined roles, engineers and different things like that. But women are beginning to break into that now, but I don't have exposure to that anymore. It's been a couple of years. So I don't personally see the change that's happening there. I only see the change that's happening online with the people who are coming into social media with their businesses and it's equal. I think I even see more women than men, frankly, but then that could be how my social media is set up. True. So you being a multi-passionate entrepreneur, what are your thoughts on this shift in the mindset and how do women continue 
to push through and continue to break down these barriers and ways of thinking of old, the 1940s old boys club mentality, do you think? You know, the only thing that I can think of, because the old boys club, it's it's coming from men with different personalities and different histories and different influences on them, right? So because we were trained growing up, Jen Jones, Gen X, wherever you're coming from, chances are you were guided into ideal career choices, nurse, secretary, librarian, teacher, <laughs> yeah. you know, that type of thing. Secretary. I haven't heard that word in forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Admin support. Yes, anyone. as they call but, it now. <laughs> yeah. I think more importantly, women are beginning to get the message to be uniquely them, to not be second to anybody. So here's the thing that I really like to say, when you are passionate about something and you feel that this is a business that's good for you, you are naturally going to ask the opinion of somebody else and you're going to expose other people to it. Understand that what they are going to tell you is based on their experience, their failures, their limiting beliefs, and their own skills and passions. If you get a negative feedback from them, it's based solely on that, not on what your potential is. Conversely, if somebody is gung-ho and yes, you can do anything, it's because they have unwavering belief in you. And that's wonderful. You need a cheerleader, but you, you need people who are going to be open to you and say, you know what? I think it's an amazing opportunity, amazing idea, but perhaps consider this without shooting you down so that you can go back and you can say, okay, did they have a valid point? Should I maybe adjust accordingly? So just trust yourself, trust your gut, know that you know yourself better. And then this old boys school and anybody else putting you down won't impact you as greatly in your decision to move forward. Oh, I love that. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful, Janet? (laughs) I can see the future. I have a very innovative (laughs) mind. (laughs) I usually what I come up with and I trash because I don't have belief in myself or I don't feel I have a skill, I will see happening two years later. So I see the potential of where something can move to. And when I couple that with everything else, it it kind of helps me be able to work with other people. They tell me what they like, what they'd like to do, what their skills are, what their passions are. And when I ask them, well, so where do you think your business direction is going to be? They usually have one thought, I can do this. And because of my superpower, I can say, that's amazing. Yes, you can. But have you considered? And I can throw at them a dozen different other approaches to that same business idea or their skills and give them a much larger choice or directions to choose from. And that's what people have always come to me for. And that is kind of what birthed my coaching was because I was able to do this. I'm able to take a lot of big concepts and break them down to very simple steps because it's the way I learn. But then I could see a lot of potential that other people can't see. So that's my superpower. I love that superpower. Yeah, it's fun. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? That you can break my brain with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't want to break your brain. Just want to get you thinking. That's all. Well, success is really a personal thing. And Mm -hmm. it's, is it success in life? Is it success in business? Is it success in being content with who you are? And I think for me, it's the last one. Getting to a place where you know who you are, you're okay with it, and you want to be bigger than life with it. That's how confident you are in the person that you have become. That is success. That is truly success for sure. Everything starts with self. Everything. Self is the foundation for all of it. I truly believe that. It's going to make or break everything. Absolutely. You you can't fake it till you make it. You really can't. And that's funny how often you hear people say that. Fake it till you make it. That uh, statement has been taken out of context and applied in a way that really doesn't serve people. You make it really meant when you are, and this comes from all of my studying with working with vision boards and mindset and everything, fake it till you make it comes from, you have to envision yourself being successful in that very thing. What does it feel like? 
What does it mean? What does it smell like? Um, What's the emotion attached to it? Until you have identified those things, there's no way for your brain to know how to begin to take the steps and move toward it. You don't start your attraction model to move toward unless you know where you're going to. So fake it until you make it is a bad representation of that. People have over the years gotten to, well, I'll just put on the suit and I'll get out there and I'll, you know, do it and then it will happen. Well, no, you have to understand what that goal was, what everything is entails being at that spot. What skills are you going to have to have? Are you going to have to upgrade yourself? Are you going to, you know? Yeah. So it's just a, a misrepresentation of what the whole concept means. Yeah. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? That I am enough. And again, I don't have to be, I don't have to be, yeah, I don't have to be somebody else. I don't have to be second to, I was always somebody's, somebody's girlfriend, somebody's wife, second, the assistant, the, that I am enough the way I am and to trust that. And believe it. Believe it. Yeah. What is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? That would be, this is one of those voices out of the blue um, mentor that I would go to for her wise counsel that one day said to me, I don't know why you come and speak with me because you are very wise and you should be doing what I do. Now, under that, the underlying current of that is that I'm a high school dropout, that I pick up university courses as I need them, that I pick up these certifications as I need them, but I never really got a diploma. I didn't get a, you know, a degree. So I didn't believe the piece that I was wise. I knew I knew a lot of things, but I didn't consider the wisdom aspect of it. And when she said that to me and it kind of hit me like a book on the back of the head, (laughs) Kind of, what have you done all your life for people? What do people come to you for? And it's your wisdom. And since I got hit with the book in the back of the head, (laughs) it kind of knocked it all into place. And just my opinion of myself, my, my vision of where I'm going has changed. I have the confidence now to speak with anybody about anything where before it was, I couldn't possibly have anything interesting to say to somebody at that level. So it it was that I am wise. That was the most important thing to embrace the wisdom that you have from your life experience and, and feel confident with it. Again, I see a theme here, Janet, mm-hmm. back to self. <laughs> yep. It's always self. That's what coaching is about, isn't it? For sure. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? That they can do it, but to take the time to discover what it is that they're going to be able to do day in, day out for years. I call this your default mode. And that is the thing that you do when you're not thinking about it, whether you're happy and energetic or whether you're down with the flu, sick as a dog. And for me, that was problem solving. I'd wake up in the middle of the night trying to problem solve Something that I heard three ladies behind me in the lineup at the cash register at the grocery store. (laughs) It's my default mode. I do it and it's something that I have to pull myself back from. So if you're going to get into coaching or a career similar to this, make sure it's in your default mode area because business is hard. It's tough. You're going to put long hours into it. And if it's not something that you do without thinking, you're going to begin to become resentful and tired and disenchanted. But because I've built my business on what I do naturally, I don't have to worry about that. So just make sure that it is based around your default mode. Funny you say that because I can remember when I was thinking about and talking about making the jump into entrepreneurship as a photographer. And so many people said, oh, you should never turn your hobby because that's what it was before into or your passion into Mm -hmm. a business because you'll end up hating it. And I don't think that's necessarily true at all. I love photography and I turned it into a business and I never... I don't hate, I absolutely love photography. Absolutely. And that's where I talked to you earlier about, we have different passions for different purposes. Mm-hmm. You have your pastime passion. You have your, your purpose yeah. passion. Yeah. And you have to identify the different interests, what those passions are to be used for. You probably had an equal passion or something that outside of your photography, you were able to unload and just completely divorce yourself from work. And, but the mistake is when they take what they use to relax 
mm-hmm. and make it their business. Mm-hmm. They have now disarmed themselves. Right. They have no way to get away from the business now. Now yeah. their passion has deadlines right. and other not fun things attached like accounting and taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think the key with photography in particular as a business owner, I think that we need to realize and make the time for personal projects to sidetrack us from the business aspect of it and the work aspect of it. Keep those things on the side to keep you interested and focused and happy and loving what you do still. I think that is a huge lesson and a huge help. Absolutely. That's where my brand expression focus comes in. Balancing your interests, making sure that they meld together properly, a way to pull back on one and move forward into another Yeah. so that you can keep your passion for the thing that you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Janet, what does the word empowerment mean to you? I had to look that one up because (laughs) my brain was going crazy with it. So let me, let me put this to you. When I went to Google, it said empowerment is the authority or power given to someone to do something. Mm -hmm. The process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. Okay. It's what I'm all about. (laughs) <laughs> right? That was my journey. And that's the journey that I give to other people. You embody so that's that. what empowerment means to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most common reason for people failing or giving up? They don't give it enough time. It's okay. time. This is an immediate society. Yes. They want everything to happen now. I see posts saying, and I'm on TikTok a lot. So I yep. see posts saying, I put up three videos and it's been five days and I didn't get any likes and I only have 12 followers. And I'm thinking, okay, I have a thousand videos in there now. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. Some people it will happen quickly for, but that's because they have put the time in, in another area, another focus. They develop, they brought maybe their audience over with them. So when they hit a platform, people came over. And so their growth happened quickly. We measure ourselves against other people and their progress. Yeah. And we shouldn't because we are bringing a different set of experiences and skills and everything to the table. Our approach is different. So you have to give yourself time and flexibility to change and adapt. Patience is so key as an entrepreneur. You have to be patient. Like It takes so much time and so much work to build a business. And like you said, yes, there are people who grow they're following or grow their business quicker than others. But I think for the most part, it takes time. What do they say? It takes at least three years before you start seeing any residual income from your business, any income from your business, any progress. You got to mm-hmm. you gotta put the time in and build it. Build it and they will come, as they say. But Build and they will come. And really important now is be flexible because it, just in the time that we've been experiencing COVID, yeah. social media and online business has shifted. We're in our third shift. Yeah. Which is why I'm shifting up my programs and rebranding because we are in our third shift already. People are consuming differently because of the amount of exposure and you have to be willing. You can't set up your business model and say, that's it. You have to be willing to assess and change. Yeah, for sure. That's the biggest thing I learned through COVID is I had to shift and I hate, I was going to say pivot, but I cannot stand that word because it's been so overused, but I had to, I had no choice. I couldn't run my photography business. So I had to quickly shift and come up with something else to do. And that was the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's grown into this community and it's nowhere near where I want it. It's taken me 18 months to get to the point it's at now. And that's another lesson I learned through my photography business, because I was very impatient when I first got into entrepreneurship. And I was always thinking to myself, you know, I'm nowhere near where I thought I would be at the one year mark. And this is horrible. And what the hell have I done taking this leap into entrepreneurship. And once I was able to wrap my head around and shift my mindset and my thinking to out of that competition mindset, because again, I would caught myself when I thought about it later, looking around at other businesses, other photographers and where they were. And you cannot do that because you'll just end up self-sabotaging. Absolutely. Here's a kind of a picture I can paint for you of how the social media community existence works. You have to build the well before you go to the well to get water. And how that relates to business online is 
that when you're going to the well to get water is the moment that you want people to see you as a viable business and begin to consume, purchase from you, invest in you. Before that can happen, you have to build the well. Yes. So for a year or 18 months before that, you have to identify who you are going to be at that time that you want to dip into the well to get that water and show up and begin to give value to people and develop relationships and partnerships and a following so that people can see that you're always going to be there and you're bringing value to them. You have to dig the well before you need to go to the well and get the water. For sure. I love that analogy. That's great. Janet, we're going to jump in into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Sure. What was your dream job as a child? I didn't have one. <laughs> I was multi-passionate. I didn't have one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. How would you describe yourself in one word? A ball of energy. What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? My positivity, my okay. support. Yeah. Honesty. What's the first thing you think when I say the word future? Exciting. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Love yourself. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Time. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Ah, that the stupid rich, I mean the (laughs) ugly, stupid rich people begin to share the wealth. Yeah, you know, that is something that boggles my mind. Even just speaking about COVID, like I talked about this many times with different friends and the whole pandemic and when we were first struggling with all the people losing their jobs and the CERB benefit and all of that stuff. And I thought, you know, if even just speaking about Canada, if the ultra rich here in Canada pooled their money, their resources together, even a small amount of that money and and gave that to help people instead of people having to rely on the government, which then in turn, of course, causes taxes to go up and all that. If they did that, how different things would be. You're so right. And it's just a drop in the bucket for these people. You're right. It's mind boggling. It is. It is truly mind boggling. How different the world could be if these people would just do that. I mean, I would gladly, if I was ultra rich like that, I would gladly give money to help people. Yeah. It wouldn't even be a second thought. And it's probably a tax write off for them. Mm -hmm. But they're different personality types. Yeah. We would never be ultra stupid rich. <laughs> there you go. We wouldn't. We'd be giving it away before we ever reached that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what is your favorite entrepreneurial book? The one I'm currently reading. Which it's is? always the one I'm currently reading because I get passionate okay. about it. Which one are you currently reading? Right now? You know, I can't even tell you off the top of my head. It's inside <laughs> my phone, which isn't with me. But it's okay. always the one that I'm currently reading. Okay. Entrepreneur life is? All consuming. That's for sure. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Mindset. It's not a skill, it's endurance and passion. What is the most entrepreneurial thing about you? My innovative mind. What's an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for, Janet? My health. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Best version of me is somebody who is free to do what she wants to do when she wants to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That sounds selfish, but when I close my eyes and I, that's what I think of. There you go. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? And that was when I was mentioning that lady stopped me and, and yeah, said, no, you know what, what you come to me for is what you already have. What is one thing you wish you had known when you started your entrepreneurial journey? Not to listen to all of the experts that some of them aren't experts. (laughs) Everybody's an expert, Janet. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you do to keep yourself inspired every day and to inspire others? I make sure that I have a connection with somebody every day much like we're doing now, a call, a Zoom meeting, something. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? That it's okay to not finish what you've started. It's okay. You're not a failure. I love that. Lastly, Janet, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? That 
you are enough. And when people are coming at you to tell you that your idea won't fly, that you're not smart at whatever it is, they are bringing their negativity, their limiting beliefs, their experience, and it is not your reality. So trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your intuition, and be everything that you ever wanted to be. Amazingly, beautifully said. I love that. Janet, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today with me on the Empowerography Podcast. It has been such an honor and a pleasure chatting with you. You are a true inspiration. I love your way of thinking. I love your thought (laughs) process. Amazing. Just you are a phenomenally beautiful human being. I appreciate you. And I'm so happy to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Oh, thank you, Brad. That's so nice of you to say. It's the truth. I truly appreciate you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Janet Van Wick. She is a brand and business coach with a focus on your online strategy and presence. Thanks so much, Janet. I hope you have an amazingly beautiful rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.